Father, we do thank you again that you have allowed us to come and worship before your presence today amongst people who love you. Lord God, there may be even some in this place today, in fact, who are considering a move uh, to Jesus Christ. Uh, for those who have that con uh, under consideration, Lord God, we pray uh, that the power of your presence, Lord God, would persuade them to draw near to your love. May you lift them up and encourage them that this too is the best decision that they could make in their life. Uh, so, Lord God, we invite your, your, your spirit to rain down on us. We invite, Lord God, uh, you to come and just touch our hearts with your word. Uh, therefore, in response to the expectation and the anticipation of the things that you're going to do in our midst today, Lord God, we open our hearts. And we ask you to come reach in and touch us as never before. Let us not leave this place the same way we entered into it. With the prejudice towards your word. The disdain towards your presence. But let us receive you with joy. In thanksgiving, even though at times your words may make us uncomfortable, we say, do your work in us today. Father, move in your Holy Spirit, touching every person. Leave no stone unturned. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A quote from Bernard Baruch, he says this, and I quote, Be who you are and say what you feel. Because those who mind don't matter. And those who matter don't mind. Eleanor Roosevelt, she says this, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Peter Brett in The Warded Man says this, Let others determine your worth and you're already lost. Because no one wants people worth more than themselves. And then finally, Norman Vincent Peale says this, Believe in yourself. Have faith in your abilities. Without a humble but reasonable confidence in your own powers, you cannot be successful or happy. You know, confidence and reassurance, it comes in all shapes and all sizes. Listen to this Zimbabwean proverb. Until the lion tells his side of the story, the tale of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. In other words, uh, we can even lift ourselves up uh, by uh, chopping off the other half of the story. Today we're going to look 
at one of the ways that we can have confidence, true confidence, and to be reassured in our relationship with God. Well, we know that our relationship is faith alone in Christ alone. We know that that's how we are saved and we are redeemed. But it's very interesting that here in this passage that the Apostle John, he brings about another way to help us in our confidence. You know how it is. There's some things in life you're just not sure about. Oftentimes I've told this story to our high school students about my first day of high school. In my first day of high school, uh, most of you know I went to that really big warehouse over there on 87th Street. On my first day of high school, I arrived on the CTA bus, and, uh, and as we approached my bus stop, there were uh, not uh, 10 or 20 uh, students there, but there were hundreds and hundreds of students that as I uh, disembarked, right, as I ejected myself from the bus, that in one loud chorus, Everyone said together, a freshy, freshy. And it scared me out of my mind because what sensible uh, coast students would do something like that to someone who's, who's a freshman like myself? Well, my first day of college was, was different because, you know, you really don't know anyone, so you, do, you just don't have that confidence. And sometimes it takes us uh, to walk through certain steps in order to get that confidence, amen? Uh, Sometimes you don't feel king of the hill until you're on top of the hill. And for most of us, as you know, uh, that you are not on king of the hill until finally it's time to go. When I was a senior in high school, I felt like I was the king of the hill. When I was a senior in college, I felt like I was the king of the hill. Uh, when I was ready to graduate seminary, I felt like I was, at the, I was a king of the hill, but it was time to go. And one thing that I knew uh, that I would have to start some kind of process over again. And sometimes we just lack that surety in ourselves. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. Verse 19. That we can have confidence and reassurance in our relationship with God. Here we find out that reassurance of our heart can be attained by loving our brothers and sisters. How uh, can we uh, have that a reassurance in our hearts with our relationship with God uh, by loving our brothers and sisters? What? Verse 19. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him that is God. Verse 20. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. It's very interesting. Uh, I was uh, explaining to my wife that I spent, I'm guessing, maybe about three hours working with the first five words. 
You see, it's easy to pick up the word of God and just kind of read it cursory. But to ask yourself, what does this really mean? What does the Apostle John, what is he trying to get at? Yeah, we can read our Bible and say, yeah, I read it today, uh, and that's it. And put a check mark on our, our, our wall and says, this is one thing that I have accomplished today. Uh, but we must ask the question, what does this mean? And to my surprise, I discovered uh, that I, 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 I found a passage in John. It's very interesting that the Apostle John, in the original language, that the Apostle John is one of the easiest apostles to follow in the Greek language. Most of his writings, as I translate from Greek into English, as I go through, it's easy. Most of it, I don't even need any help. So I can just read it straight through. But when I got here, that's what's going on. What is he talking about? He says that love is how we know we are of the truth. And through it, we are reassured. It's very interesting, looking at the beginning of this verse, verse 19, you see the phrase, by this we shall know. What's interesting about this, uh, that this type of phrase is only written by John in all of the Bible. And then only in 1 John, this type of phrase. And what's interesting about this particular phrase, as opposed to others, as the Apostle John has written, he includes the word shall, or you know, will, indicating future. So it's like the Lord is telling us that there's going to be times when we don't feel as saved as we ought. There are times that we may not feel as saved as we ought. But God is telling us to read on. And he says, I'm going to give you that confidence right now. So there are two things uh, which we will know at the right moment. Number one, that we are of the truth. And number two, uh, the reassurance of our heart is before the Lord. We have that confidence. John has already introduced this idea of truth, uh, not only in, in, in a small sense in 1 John, but even in his gospel of what is truth. The truth is the content of that which is true, thus uh, in accordance with what actually happened. So the truth as opposed to the lie, uh, a lie, a truth says this is what really happens. It's like playing a video a tape. You can't fool a videotape, amen? Uh, you can play the videotape with sound and you know what happened. But you try to get somebody to tell you what happened and all of a sudden the story is all over the place. Truth speaks of reality in terms of appearance or our own interactions. And there's only two things that you can do with truth. You can either accept it or reject it and ignore it to later suffer the consequences. So as God is truth, we his children are of the truth even as we should walk in it. As God is true, so should we be true. But he goes on uh, in verse 19 
He says that we reassure our heart before him. And that seems a little less clear to us. And this is, believe it or not, the problematic section here. And one of the things that as you look in your translation uh, that's not necessarily translated here in verse, uh, verse 19 is as he goes on to say, he says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. So we're asking the question, is he saying by this we shall know about what he said previously? Or is he saying by this we shall know according to what he's going to say afterwards? You see, it is not a cut and dry thing and you have to dig and dig into the word of God because you see at other times when John mentions by this you will know or by this that you know that what he's talking about, he's talking about everything that comes after this. Huh. Isn't that interesting? But one thing that's left untranslated here is the word, Greek word, Kai. And the Greek word chi is our word for and. And you know that and is a conjunction. And basically this is going to connect with a previous section. So in other words, this is not John saying, verse 19, by this we shall know that we are the truth, what's coming afterwards. What he's saying that this truth and the reassurance of our heart is connected all back to what he said previously. And you heard last time, Reverend Dennis, he spoke about the absence of love in the life of a believer for one another questions whether or not if we have really been born of God. Remember that? So if you don't have love in your heart uh, for one another in the faith, then you need to question whether or not if you really belong to Jesus. Now, this does not focus on the occasional disagreements that we may have. Uh, you know that uh, in the faith, sometimes you just disagree with people. Amen. Say amen, because you know I'm telling the truth. And some of us have uh, disagreements more than we probably should. Say amen. So uh, John is not talking about these little things. He's talking about at the deep in the core nature of our heart, do we really love our brothers and sisters in the faith? Now, I know you have heard many messages on love and loving one another because I've preached them in these last few weeks. My brothers have preached them in the last few weeks. But I believe this is God speaking to us and saying, you know, we need to make a readjustment in our life. But this is not, again, it must be mentioned, that this is not the kind of love that we have for our wife or ladies that you have for your husbands or even the love that you have for your own biological father or mother or sister or brother or niece and nephews. So this is not that same type of love, even though it can be connected. This type of love in which John speaks of is divinely inspired. You can't get here unless God gives it to you. You don't know God, you really don't have it. You say, well, wait a minute. Well, I really do love my brothers, the people that I see on the street. I love people. Well, you may love them, but you are limited in your scope. 
The way that you view love and not even, not even realize it is like a horse who, who goes down the street with blinders on and that he has his attention only in this direction and he can't see to his left and to, or to his right, but he believes that he sees all things. You see, uh, when we are not in Christ Jesus, that our love is limited. But once we have accepted Jesus Christ, once we have given our life uh, to Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Redeemer, our Savior, then all of a sudden the blinders come smashing off. Now we begin to see that we really should love one another. But I know you say, yeah, I know it says love, but there's some folks in the church I just don't like. I can't help you there. God tells us that we need to love one another. And, and this love, it speaks of our overall feeling towards other Christians. You know, our society, it speaks negatively about believers. But what has happened is, is that we have began to accept their rhetoric. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some folks say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to hire any Christians. You know what I'm talking about now. I don't want to hire any Christians because every time I hire a Christian, they do a half job. Or every time I hire a Christian, you know, all of a sudden, they, they, they want to spend all their time in prayer on the job and never get any work done. Well, then next thing I know, I turn around and these Christians, they're taking advantage of my company because they're always on the phone talking to somebody when they should be working. So what happens is when these few isolated cases, some a little bit more frequent than isolated cases, begin to pop up, then even we ourselves begin to say, you know what, uh, I'm not sure if I really want a Christian to help me. But what we mean to say is that we have had dealings with uh, folks who have had shortcomings in the quality of their work. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, that they have had shortcomings in the quality of their work. But this is also true of the world, amen? How many folks have you met and worked with over time that have not been saved that try to rip you off? But yet uh, we never make the statement, or, or the people in the world never make the statement, uh, I don't want to ever deal with any unbelievers again. It's always, I never want to believe, I never want to deal with Christians again. So we take on their rhetoric. Why? Because for some of us, we have not been taught. Some of us, our own excellence has been compromised because we always think we can do a half job for a whole God. But God wants us that when we operate, that we must operate in, in skill and in excellence. Be mature in your faith. So when someone sees you coming as a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, that the name of Jesus is not besmirched because of you. But also remember this, brothers and sisters, those of you who have made these statements, also remember that uh, we have also fallen short. That we have also needed the grace of God. We have also needed an olive branch by others to simply hand out to us and say, give us one more chance. So this is why when it happens to you again, don't just fire them, but explain why you cut them off and why you won't recommend them again. Amen? 
I've done it before. Uh, folks uh, have come to, uh, to work on my house, Christians, you know, I got this, look at my pretty shiny truck and all this other stuff, and they come up in my house and they're doing this work, and I'm watching them like a, like a hawk, because you know, uh, everything is true on the internet, right? So you go on the internet and you find out how work should be done, and you look at what they're doing, you're like, something wrong here, and you start asking them questions, and they say, oh no, it's going to be all right, and then later you find out it ain't all right. And you say, I've had enough of you. And this is why. Oh, well, give me one more chance. I already gave you because we already talked about this. But this is why you need to operate in skill and in excellence because it concerns our personal testimony of Jesus Christ and the personal testimony of the church itself. So we must not fall prey to the dictates of what the world says about some Christians. Yes, it may be true of some, but it's not true of all. Amen? This is like saying that everyone who is not a Christian, again, that they do poor work. We have to be spiritually mature enough to understand how mature others should be. So if we are in Christ, do we need reassurance about our our, uh, our position in him. And I'm, you just hold on here. I'm going to put it all together for you. If we are in Christ, right, do we need reassurance about our position in him? Uh, obviously, uh, there are inner issues, thoughts and emotions that bring on a vast amount of uncertainty when it concerns our salvation. You know, faith alone in Christ alone. But, but some of these thoughts may clearly be the work of the devil who simply wants to render every believer ineffective for kingdom service. So the devil wants to grab some of you and say, you really not saved. Uh, you know that you've been working for the kingdom, doing all that you really can, and then you wake up one morning and say, are you really saved? Why, uh, the devil says, are you even going to church today? Why? Why even bother, the devil says? Because it's going to be the same old thing, talking about Jesus. Guess what? Uh, Jesus is the same old thing, and he will be the same thing now, and he will be the same thing in the future. Amen? I tell you, a church devoid of Jesus Christ is a church devoid of everything. So the devil, he wants you to doubt. He wants us to doubt Scripture, he wants us to doubt Jesus, the church, his people. Anything associated with walking in the freedom of Christ and associated with uh, presenting that freedom to other folks. That he wants to sow his seeds of doubts in your mind. Therefore, he comes after your mind and he attacks your conscience. I think I had, had told you one time I was listening to, uh, one evening I, had, I was listening to a, a, a podcast and uh, it's a very interesting podcast. I won't give the name of it, but all types of subjects. And it's very, very, very engaging. And, um, and there was one part, and I had fallen asleep. And, uh, but I woke up, and in my mind, I was saying that, and I was hearing this podcast, but in my mind, I was saying that, you know, you need to, uh, have, you ever, have you ever thought about quitting the ministry? And then I, then I started to focus on the podcast. And you know the name of the podcast was? Why shouldn't you quit? But it was supposed to be an encouragement to folks to say, it's okay to go ahead and quit your job and go ahead and find the thing you really want to do. 
You see, uh, these seeds that can be implanted in our mind can take us and throw us for a loop. We don't think that they have any impact on our lives, but guess what? They do. So the more that we talk about how we don't love this saint of God, how we don't love that saint of God, that what we're doing, we are sowing the seeds of discord in God's church, causing one another not to love one another. The things that we do, how we respond, even though they may get on our nerves, uh, but yet we need to press in and love one another because we were once fallen as well. However, we must again remember the context of 1 John. We've been walking through this for several weeks now. All along, uh, John has been writing about the truth of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Remember what he said in chapter 1? He says, that which we, which we heard, seen with our eyes, looked upon, and touched with our hands. Remember that? John says Jesus was real, and this was not only his testimony, but also the testimony of other folks. He says it wasn't just me. There were other people who saw Jesus, who touched Jesus. Remember Doubting Thomas who says that I won't believe that he was in, in essence a resurrection unless I touch him for myself. Jesus, he shows up. Go ahead with your bad self. He's like, and while you're at it, somebody give me something to eat. You see, a flesh, a, 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 a spirit, a ghost don't need anything to eat. Amen. Some thought they had saw a vision or a ghost, but it was real Jesus Christ because a ghost never shows up anywhere and asks for a fillet of fish. These disciples were so affected uh, that they followed Jesus at the cost of their own lives. Some folks said, well, uh, these uh, apostles, these uh, disciples, that they knew that they were following a lie. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't know how many people would follow a lie to their death knowingly. Why would you follow someone you know is a lie and actually risk your life and for many actually die? Most sane folks don't do this. But there were spiritual carnal artists who, who said it was all a lie. You see these false teachers, these false prophets that came along and they said all this stuff that you heard about Jesus Christ that it was all lies, lies left, lies to the right. It's all lies. But in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 15 and 16, Jesus says this. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. And then Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, he says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Ouch who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Uh, so Jesus and Peter said there are going to be folks in your church who said that they want to teach and they're going to teach heresy. Of course, they never do it out and out like all at one time, do they? It always happens just a little bit at a time and often comes under the guise of, in my opinion, but we have to be careful about, in my opinion, even for me myself, because all these things can open the door for false teaching and, and drive us away from the Lord who has redeemed us. 
so we have already seen this in 1 John when John tells us to be aware of the spirit of the Antichrist. Remember that message? John says, watch out for the spirit of the Antichrist who does what? Who denies Jesus Christ. And by implication, he denies God the Father. Verse 20, God is greater than our hearts when condemnation is brought on by those internal and external forces. Again, uh, this idea uh, gives us a peek at uh, 1 John uh, chapter 4, uh, where the apostle says in verse 4, A little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is where? In the world. John says that, that the Spirit of God who has been deposited inside of us is much stronger, much greater, much more vast uh, than uh, that Spirit in the world who's trying to penny your faith to death and try to nip away at your faith. So in other words, John is saying recognize. He says you better recognize who God is uh, don't play games. Recognize who God is. Uh, God is not only greater than those in the world uh, that would try to dissuade us from living our life fully committed to him, but he is also greater than our own hearts, which can try to condemn us. Jeremiah 17 and 9. When you think that you try to operate according to your heart and according to your emotion, you need to think again, right? Uh, th th this is what my heart says, right? Uh, this is where, you know, I'm really feeling it right now. Have you heard that before? Uh, this is what I'm feeling. Uh, but the prophet Jeremiah says that the heart is what? Above all things. Read that again, I, and I know there's more to the passage, but we don't have time to deal with that. Uh, Jeremiah, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things. How do you, how, how do you trust a liar? Someone explain to me in here how you trust a liar. Give me the steps of how you trust a liar. Well, how you trust a liar is you don't trust a liar. So we cannot use our hearts as a barometer as to the things of the Spirit of God. It is not based on emotion. No, it is not based on shouting or having a Holy Ghost dance. Amen? It is not based on any of that stuff. In fact, uh, uh, some were thinking, uh, I had mentioned this in class on, uh, on, on yesterday, that I had a discussion with a gentleman and that one of the things that he mentioned was that some folks had been asking him that if Jesus was so bad, how come, his, how come his disciples are not doing miracles today? He said, because if you, Jesus' disciples, were doing all these great miracles all the time today, then many more people would come to Christ. But the bottom line is, Jesus did them in his day. And Jesus did them in his day, and they still didn't believe Jesus when he was actually there. So if they're not going to believe Jesus when he was there, actually doing it right before their eyes, how are they going to believe us anyway? Uh, you see, it's not based on sight, for we walk by faith, right? Not by 
sight. It is not based on what we see. It is not based on our, on our heart, but it is solely based on uh, the truth of the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. And just think about it for a second. Come on. How many times have we woke up in the morning time? I know when that alarm clock goes off on Monday, or in this case, maybe on Tuesday for most of you, when it goes off, ring-a-ding, ding, ding, ding. What does your heart tell you? Yeah. Our hearts tell us to, you know what, just start off by just taking five minutes. That's all I want. Just five minutes. Hit the snooze. Goes off again. Oh, I just need five more minutes, you know. Hit the snooze again. Until finally you're so snoozed out, then the next thing you know, you wake up and you're late. But yet, you wake up and you realize that you've been in the bed too long. Your heart says that just lay down and stay asleep, right? But something overrides, right? Uh, there's a reset button that we get in our spirit, right? Uh, that says that, uh, heart, I hear what you're saying, but the reset button says that if I don't hit this button now, uh, that the rain that follows, both the former and the latter rain, is going to be falling in my house. You see, so the truth of the matter, it supersedes uh, the emotion of the heart. So we get up and we go to work. So we cannot use our heart as a barometer for the things of God, but solely based on his truth. What is his truth? Romans 8 and 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. There is no condemnation in you if you are in Christ. If you ain't in Christ, I feel sorry for you. A confident heart has no condemnation. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him, this is Jesus, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, verse 2, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Uh, verse 5, and the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of elders but eat with defiled hands? Uh, you see, the devil is always around uh, trying to steal your liberty away trying to say what you are not. Uh, Jesus was actually there, and they had nerve enough to attack Jesus, not directly, but through his disciples. How dare you go to church, right? You going to church again? I had to tell a story about the, uh, one of my sons. I hope he doesn't mind. I won't tell you which one it was. But anyway, uh, he had a job interview, and he told him that, you know what, basically, uh, I want this job, and I'll be here any time that you want me to be here. He says, but on Sundays, from this time to this time, I can't be there. I can be there after that time, and for that matter, I can be there before that time. But from this time to this time, I can't be there. The guy asked him, well, why not? He said, because I got to go to church. And, and, and he tells him, he says, why? Well, he says, well, because this is the rule in our house. Uh, 
I would have loved to say, because I love Jesus. But the guy asked him, the guy asked him this, the guy asked him this. You got to do that every Sunday? Every Sunday you got to go to church? Uh, you see, uh, the, the, the world doesn't have the mindset that it will pull you away the way it works a little bit at a time. And you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, with a heart that's not based on emotion, but based on his word, the word of God says, uh, forsake not the assembly together uh, of yourselves, as is the manner of some, uh, that you go with the truth of God's word and you stand on it. But praise the Lord, my son still got the job. But all I can say is pray for him, you know. Because the spirit that was there in the beginning is going to be the spirit that's going to be there. That spirit ain't going nowhere unless it is exercised from that place. 1 John chapter 3 verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what he pleases. Do what pleases him. So again, he reassures our heart. But it's very interesting, it says here that a confident heart translates into a confident prayer life. Did you get that? Did you, did you see that? Look at it again. That a confident heart in the Lord and all the things that he commands us to do means a confident prayer life uh, that John says therefore that we can ask uh, when we have that confident prayer whatever we want and it will be done for us look at what Jesus says in Mark 11 verse 23 he says if you tell the mountain to be thrown into the sea it will be done for you only if you have faith but wait a minute, are you now telling me that, uh, that my confidence can be so strengthened that I can ask whatever I want and God will do it for me? 1 John 5, 15. 1 John chapter 5, verse 15. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, here again, John, he is stating the obvious about the confidence. He's saying that when you pray, and if you know that God hears you, in order to know that God hear, hears you, that means you have to have confidence in your heart. Amen? And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. I know some of you are bubbling up and say, amen, I'm ready to dance now. Uh, because uh, God is saying, if I'm right with him, I can ask wherever I want, and he's going to give me that Cadillac and a grill for my mouth. But wouldn't that be problematic? Huh? In the film, Bruce Almighty, Jim Carrey starred in the television as a uh, television news uh, journalist who couldn't seem to catch a break in life. Everything went wrong for him. Eventually, he complained about what God was and what he was not, which was played by, right, Morgan Freeman, right? Uh, yeah, okay. He gave Bruce power to do most things. So one of the things that uh, Bruce decided to do with his almighty God, divine powers, was to answer folks' prayers. So as he sat at his desk, and as the prayers came in, right, God's prayers come in via email, right? So all these email comes up, right, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of email comes up, 
And he says, you know, uh, let's see, yes here, yes here, one at a time, yes here. Uh, he got rid of, he finally got rid of them after working for so long, and then he hit sin, and all of a sudden, you know how it goes, uh, the email box repopulates. And not only did he have hundreds of emails, now he had thousands of emails. So with him being the omniscient and omnipresent God that Jim Carrey is, right, uh, that he decides to, to select all and then hit the button yes, and he answers yes to everybody's prayers. Can you imagine the aggravation if everybody's prayers were answered yes? What would, what would happen? What would really happen? I'll tell you one thing, this world would be in a chaos. It would be in total chaos. You see, having everyone's prayers answered without any regard to how it affects uh, the next person and how it could uh, change the state of affairs of the world is ungodlike. Because you have to be omniscient. Uh, if you don't know what omniscience is, uh, concerning the attribute or the character of God, omniscience is to know all things. Amen? And God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all at the same time. Uh, so God knows the beginning from the end. Uh, he knows that uh, for some of you that uh, you can't go home early today from church. Because if you go home early today from church, that you end up eating something, going to sleep, and, and, and miss spending time with him. So he wants you to stay glued to your seat, wondering, what does God, does he have more for me today? That God may want you to make a left turn when you get out here instead of making a right turn. Uh, we don't know how things are connected together, but an omniscient and an omnipresent God, he certainly does. Amen? In our Habit Your Way theology, we sometimes miss this very important point, that God's answers must correspond to God's will. Amen? First uh, John chapter 5, verse 14, he says, this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, Come on. Okay. So uh, the scripture says that, yeah, we can have the confidence to ask whatever we want and he'll give it to us. But when we ask, that we must ask how? According to how? God's will. Uh, well, how do you get yourself in a position to ask according to God's will? That means you have to be God's man or you have to be God's woman. You have to be God's uh, boy. You have to be God's girl because by knowing scripture you know what God's will is so when you pray you're not asking for some crazy stuff because the Lord knows we can ask for some crazy stuff in prayer come on now so all of this believe it or not all this idea of confidence that all of this draws us back uh, to this grand idea of loving our brother and our sister in the faith. The confidence in prayer life, that we can have it or not have it by the way, according to the way that we love someone who's in the faith. But the confidence that we have for God, uh, that that confidence can be greater or less uh, because of, of, of the love that we have for one another in the faith. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded us whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us 
Who would have thought that confidence of heart and answer prayer has anything to do with loving the person to your left or to your right? Answer prayers. Who would have thought it had anything to do with loving the person in front of us or behind us? God is saying that we need a, a readjustment of our theology of love. They're all woven together like a wonderfully made tapestry, seamless and unified in purpose. And just in case we missed it again, here it is. Believe in Jesus. Love one another. Keep God's commandment. God abides in the keeper of his commandments. Live in the confidence of God abiding in us through the work of the Spirit. All of that. So by walking through this entire book, we are developing a theology of love. And that first most important point in connection of love is with God himself, that we must be connected with God. The second one is that the love of one another always proves to be the most challenging because we always get in the way. But that does not stifle Jesus' command to us. One theologian said this, there is everywhere a very real human love but all Christian love, according to the scriptures, is, direct, is distinctly a manifestation of divine love operating through the human heart. Some of the confidence and assurance we seek before the Lord can be found by loving one another. We must have a real and deep Holy Spirit form love among ourselves in the body of Christ. If we don't love each other, if we don't love each other, John says, that it gets in the way of our prayers. We're familiar with uh, about husbands not treating their wives right because that can affect their prayer life. But now uh, God is also telling us by not loving one another that that can also affect our prayer life, the confidence that we have. Again, the question always is, how do we respond? How do we respond uh, to a message such as this? We have to readjust ourselves. We have to move in deeper and closer to the Lord and learn to love one another. I admit to you, it's not easy, and you know it's not. But God says it is possible. He says, quit being selfish and love one another more than you even love yourself. Let's pray. Father, uh, again, your word is awesome. Sometimes you can take the most complex things and make them so simple before us, Lord God. And sometimes we just have to struggle through your word. But we take all of your word <clears throat> as it comes from you. And we hide it in our heart. Because we don't want to sin against you. And Lord God, when we pray, uh, we want to make sure that our prayer, prayers go straight to heaven. So, Father, we're going to operate in that love today by not what we're going to do tomorrow, not what we're going to do when we get home, but what we're going to do after we have said our last amen for today. Father, forgive us for not being patient with one another. <clears throat> forgive us for not being kind. Forgive us for not being truthful. Forgive us for being manipulative. Forgive us, O oh Lord God, for not 
pulling everyone who loves Jesus Christ into our body. Help us to be more accepting, more loving, especially to those who are of the body of faith. Lord God, we don't want to show any uh, prejudice towards anyone outside of our faith, Lord God. Uh, you love the world so much that it was against you that you gave your life. Show us even how to love the world and love them right into heaven by speaking the 